0: Good morning. We observe today the feast of St. Francis of Assisi, one of the most popular saints in Christianity. Christ Church's celebration of St. Francis today focuses on one of his best known qualities his recognition and veneration of the hand of God in all creation, not just in humanity, but in animals and in nature. Our parishes witness to St. Francis this year focus features a record three in-person pet blessings, at the nine o'clock service this morning, at Eastern Market at two, and at Congressional Cemetery at four. St. Francis is also known and and in his own time was better known for another quality, for renouncing the life of luxury into which he was born to assume an existence of strict poverty. He is almost always depicted wearing the plain, coarse brown robe of the religious order he founded. That was not how he started out in life. Saint Francis was the son of a wealthy silk merchant and a French noblewoman. In his youth, he lived the good life, and then some. He was spoiled. He enjoyed fine food, elegant clothes, large quantities of wine, and pleasures of all kinds. Yes, the saint we know as a lover of animals was a party animal. <laughs> Several experiences caused Francis to reevaluate his life. He had interactions with beggars that affected him. He spent a year as a prisoner after participating in a military expedition against Perugia and used the time to contemplate what he was doing with his life. He reported mystical visions that led him away from material pursuits. When he was 26, he was struck by a gospel reading of Matthew's account of Jesus' commissioning of the 12 apostles. In sending the apostles forth to preach, Jesus said, You received without paying, give without pay. Take no gold, nor silver, nor copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor a staff. Thereafter, Francis devoted himself to a life of poverty. The transformed Francis didn't just serve the poor, he became poor. He saw virtue in poverty itself. He regarded the poor as worthy of emulation, not as objects of pity. What was it about poverty that took such hold of Francis, that turned him from a playboy into a man whose saintliness was widely recognized even before he died at the age of 44? He was canonized less than two years after his death. Francis chose a life of poverty to follow the example of the Son of God himself, who not only became man, but became a poor man. As Paul writes today in today's epistle to the Philippians, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus' choice to live as a poor person was a powerful affirmation, a divine affirmation, of the fundamental dignity of every human being no matter what their material station in life. His choice was a rejection of the conceited notion that a person must earn the respect of others to prove themselves worthy of others' acceptance. No, dignity and respect are the God-given entitlement of every human being. Francis, the son of a silk merchant, came to realize that clothes don't make the man. Living in poverty helped him to see in every human, including the unhoused, the uneducated, and the ill-clad, a reflection of God himself. Shedding material trappings also allowed Francis to see himself as God saw him, for the content of his character, for the way he lived his life, for how he treated others. Stripped of his family's wealth and connections, of luxurious accommodations, of the lifestyle of people of means, stripped of all the things that others had known him for, Francis was exposed for what he was at his core. Poverty simplified Francis's life. It allowed him to focus on the things that really matter. It was a way for him to practice humility, which was central to his spirituality. It dissipated the pride and vanity that are often associated with status and wealth. Francis's poverty promoted compassion and empathy. It smothered any sense of entitlement. It promoted gratitude for the smallest of kindnesses and comforts and an appreciation for the reality that no matter how little had, there was always someone who had less." It taught him a skill John wrote about recently in connection with our stewardship campaign, how to give without any expectation of receiving something in return. And Francis Poverty had the added benefit of imposing a life lived close to nature, which nurtured his appreciation for the beauty of all creation." Francis's choice of a life of poverty reflected a set of values, a set of virtues, that we can live, even if we don't dispose of all our worldly trappings and take on his lifestyle. He himself acknowledged this. Although he required those who joined the religious orders he founded to live in poverty, he did not condemn those who chose a more comfortable life. The lesson of his life is about the virtues of poverty, the virtues that poverty can promote, not a requirement that we all become poor ourselves. His life is a wake-up call to us who live in a city where the answer to the question, what do you do, is often regarded as a measure of our worth. It is a reminder that God does not see us for our credentials or our connections, for our family pedigree, for our academic degrees or our job titles, for the size of our home or the car we drive. God sees us and we need to see ourselves stripped of all those things as Francis came to see himself. God's questions of us at our last judgment will not be the questions you hear at a Washington cocktail party. We have an advanced copy of his final exam in Matthew 25. He will ask us when we fed the hungry, when we gave the thirsty something to drink, when we welcomed the stranger, when we clothed the naked, when we cared for the sick, when we visited the imprisoned. David Brooks of the New York Times, who lives here in Washington, wrote a brilliant essay in 2015 on the subject of what makes a life good and on the relationship between career and virtue. The essay was titled The Moral Bucket List. Brooks later expanded it into a book called The Road to Character. He began his essay by confessing that although he had achieved what he called a decent level of career success, he did not feel he had had achieved the generosity of spirit or the depth of character of the people he admired the most. He described those people as radiating an inner light, as deeply good, as having a manner infused with gratitude, They are not thinking, he wrote, about what wonderful work they are doing. They are not thinking about themselves at all. Brooks went on to describe what he called two sets of virtues, the resume virtues and the eulogy virtues. The resume virtues, he said, are the skills you bring to the marketplace. The eulogy virtues are the ones that are talked about at your funeral. His essay was about the importance and the possibility of cultivating the eulogy virtues. He made a list of them, his moral bucket list. They bear a striking similarity to the virtues Francis sought to cultivate through his poverty, humility, selflessness, generosity, gratitude, focusing on matching your talents with one of the world's deep needs. Achieving what Brooks calls the eulogy virtues and what I would call the Saint Francis virtues, becoming that kind of person who radiates an inner light is not easy. It involves plenty of stumbles But, Brooks emphasized, the stumbler builds a life based on the eulogy virtues by being better than she used to be. Few people will ever be able to emulate St. Francis' conversion to poverty. But we can, in our everyday lives as we live them, focus, as Francis did, on who we are at our cores acknowledge our shortcomings, and strive for humility, compassion, empathy, generosity, kindness, and gratitude. We can surely be better than we used to be. St. Francis would think us beautiful for that. Amen.